Welcome to Emotional and Spiritual Well-Being, the podcast that balances psychology and spirituality, helping you achieve well-being by discussing how the mind, will, and emotions interplay with the spiritual and physical. Here is your host, Sharon Wegman. Hi, this is Sharon Wegman from Wellspring Solutions. For our next podcast, we're going to be talking about a dozen ways you can help a person who's struggling. That would be someone who's grieving, someone who's depressed, or just going through a very difficult phase in life, because that can happen too. So we're going to be talking about that today, and I'm joined today by Kate Byler, um, my intern here at Wellsprings. Kate, you want to tell us a little about about yourself? (laughs) Yeah, um, I've been interning here for, I guess, almost like a year now (laughs) um, that I've been here and I'm currently um, in the process of being close to completing my master's program in trauma counseling and community trauma. So I get to work with all types of clients here and my specialty would be those that have experienced a lot of trauma in their life and my program teaches a lot about the brain and how to combine that knowledge with um, therapeutic ways to help a person process all that. So I get to be here and help out with these podcasts. Yeah, (laughs) we love it. Um, And again, my name is Sharon Wegman. I'm a licensed professional counselor, and I have a private practice here in Wyomissing, Pennsylvania, which is a suburb of Reading, Pennsylvania. And um, so today we're just going to be talking about ways you can help somebody who's struggling, whether they're depressed, whether they're grieving, or they're going through a cancer treatment, mm-hmm. um, maybe a death. a death in the family, mm-hmm. maybe a struggle with a teenager that's really creating a lot of hopelessness or a season of depression. Yeah. So, so many different traumas that can cause us to feel a little desperate at times, but we just thought, let's talk about ways you can help a depressed person or a struggling person. Um, Because most people don't know what that looks like because maybe they haven't experienced that growing up. Mm -hmm. Um, So number one uh, would be validate their feelings. Yeah, I think that would. That's honestly just something as simple as if someone tells you something hard that just happened to them, whether it be the loss of a parent or bad news about a health condition to validate, wow, that must feel really hard or that sounds intense. I'm not sure there's much I can say to help you feel better, but I can only imagine how you're feeling. Would you want to talk about it or do you want to, how is, how is it that you are feeling? Don't assume that you know. Yeah, exactly. Um, And sometimes in certain cultures, there's not a validate. Well, it could be worse. That could be a phrase mm-hmm. that somebody might say. Or at least you you were able to get food for your kids this week, or at least your other two kids are healthy. <laughs> exactly. Um, that never to hear. <laughs> never feels good when you're on the receiving end. Yeah. But I think most people, at least in Western culture, don't know how to walk through pain with people. Western culture has not been taught to grieve well. 
Mm-hmm. We're trying. We, we're we're taught to get a get out of a get out of a fail, feeling as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's a very popular video that I just thought of that Brene Brown does on empathy. Yes, and it talks about we try to put a silver lining around every cloud when it's like that's the last thing I want to hear right now because in the silver lining or when someone states this silver lining quote unquote it feels like you're minimizing the suffering that's happening in that person's life. It's true. So uh, validate the person's feelings. <laughs> Don't try to push away from it or make them have a cheerful outlook. If they're struggling, that is going to make them make you feel unsafe to them. And that's mm-hmm. the last thing you want to have happen. Right. You want to be experienced as a safe person. Mm-hmm. Um, the second one would be to educate yourself. On, well, if you could educate yourself on depression, on the grieving process of death, or just someone struggling. But there are a lot of things about depression and grief that most people just don't know. It's not common knowledge. And to even understand that, that it's not common knowledge means, oh, maybe I should read up on this. There's tons of books. There's a lot of short five to eight minute YouTube videos about what dis- what depression is and how it makes a person feel. Um, there's accounts of people that have depression that are in recovery from it and they tell you this is how I felt. And you can put yourself, it's easier to put yourself in people's shoes when we understand what's actually going on in the body and in the mind. Um, because if if you don't, it is pretty common for people to see it as, oh, you're just really sad. And it's a lot more than that normally. It's true. So you need to educate yourself. I'm a big proponent on YouTube videos on just about anything and everything out there. Um, so, yeah, educate yourself so that when you do interact in areas that you do not feel confident, whether it's dealing with someone who has cancer mm-hmm. or some other life-threatening thing, you have educated yourself on how to be compassionate in a way that's actually helpful to them. Um, and that's something that we need to grab a hold of in all areas of our life. We mm-hmm. certainly wouldn't parent without sometimes getting wisdom from, right. well, hopefully not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, now I'm breathing. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's a, but um, it could also look like maybe you had a friend go through something um, that has, the time has passed a lot. So maybe you have a friend that you met and you found out that, Years back, they lost a parent, and now you have a new friend who lost a parent. Well, ask that friend. You could ask that friend, hey, what was helpful for you? What wasn't? Because, honestly, that's how I learn the most is when I'm just up front, and I'm like, hey, I've never been through this, but I, you, you have, and I have a friend that's going through this now. Can you tell me what was helpful? Because I wouldn't know. That's really good. That's really good, Kate. Yeah. I've done that in the past with people who've lost children mm-hmm. or going through cancer. Really asking what helped you most has helped me feel empowered. Mm-hmm. Number three, don't use religious platitudes. Mm-hmm. Platitudes is a big word for statements that people in religion use a lot mm-hmm. that sometimes isn't biblical. Right. So... 
well, I guess this is God's will for you right now. Hmm. <laughs> that certainly doesn't make the person feel endeared to God. Mm-hmm. Or safe. <laughs> right. In, in the reality, what we want to see is, I'm going to pray that God would be your comforter right now. I'm going to pray that God would be your encourager right now. But platitudes that would say, well, he says he teaches us things through painful situations is not really what the person wants to hear. Yeah, or immediately saying or asking, well, did you pray about it? Or have how much time have you spent with God? It's like, well, if a person is really grieving or depressed or suffering, unless you've been there, you might not understand the amount of energy it takes to even go to God with something like that. And it might not, it might not be what they've done yet. And they don't want to feel more self guilt about that. And also just thought of that the person you might be talking to also might not even share your same religious views and to maybe respect that and not push that on them immediately right away either. That's true. (laughs) That kind of leads into number four, which is refrain from giving them directions on what to do. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, I think about a recent situation with my in my own household in which somebody was given a very bad diagnosis. You know, it was difficult for me to focus my brain for a period of time. And for me to be told something like, what is God saying? I wouldn't have been able to know. I was so overcome by this bad diagnosis Mm -hmm. that I wouldn't have been able to know. It took me a couple days to come out of the shock of the situation. So somebody telling me, well, what is God telling you right now? Wouldn't have helped me at all. Right. Or uh, sometimes, especially in Western culture, I feel like we give, it's easier for us to give advice rather than sit and be uncomfortable with the person in their sadness. So it's like, oh, I don't know how you're feeling, but I can just give you advice on things to do. And then sometimes it leaves the person not feeling very heard because direction and what to do, like you said, feels really overwhelming. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, Number five, offer to take them somewhere with you. That means they in and of themselves might not be up to going out on their own Mm -hmm. because it's just too overwhelming. So when I heard this diagnosis for my household, Mm -hmm. I had a bunch of errands I had to do that day, but I couldn't get myself moving. So I made my husband do them with me. (laughs) He drove me around to do the errands. I don't know if I made him, but (laughs) the point of that being offer to take some people somewhere. Hey, I'm going to the grocery store. Do you want to come with me? Mm -hmm. Right. I got to go to the mall to pick up another pair of jeans. You want to come to the mall with me? Right. I think when we're, when we are overcome by emotion, the thought of trying to stay focused and driving somewhere is very overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, so we need to be able to, um, so when we're offering to have somebody ride along with us to, when we're doing our errands, many times that is something that they are willing to do because they couldn't do it on themselves, mm-hmm. on, in and of themselves, but they could go along with somebody. Right. And it's getting them out of the house and just, I mean, just the fact that someone reached out just means a lot that someone's thinking of you. Right. 
Um, number six, give them permission to have their own space. Um, it just fluctuates from time to time what you want. Mm -hmm. Do you want to be with people? Do you not want to be with people? Um, sometimes you don't want to talk. Sometimes you do want to talk. Mm -hmm. So to give them permission for that space is going to feel empowering. Like you are empowering them, which is going to feel good if you're struggling. Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe asking them, hey, do you mind if I come by and... We can watch a movie or ask them what they want and then actually listen to their answer um, and not just assume. It kind of goes back to the giving advice thing. I think it kind of like teeters on that line of, well, you have been pretty sad for the past couple of days, so I'm just going to come over. And they're like, no, 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 I'm okay. Maybe they really are okay and they just need a break. <laughs> That's true. Um yeah, I, I say this to people all the time. Um, I had a friend who lost a three-year-old. One day, three-year-old had a fever. The next day, three-year-old was dead. And I asked her what was the thing that meant the most to her during that time frame. And she said, there was this lady, and she would come to my house for two weeks in a row. She came. And when I wanted to talk, she would let me talk. And when I didn't want to talk, she just went about her business, cleaning my house and doing <laughs> stuff. I didn't, she didn't force me to engage with her. So that was, she gave me permission to do what I needed to do and to have space. Um, number seven, offer to go with them to the doctor. Yeah, I think this could be really helpful for a lot of people because for some reason going to the doctor and that type of, Aaron is really distressing a lot of the time and mm -hmm. it could entail a lot depending on what they're going for but it it usually is anxiety provoking so to have someone there with them is a is a big deal I would think yeah particularly if you're going to talk about being depressed yeah I will find um, lots of people don't feel like they can be vulnerable with a stranger mm -hmm. being the doctor. Most of the time, the doctor is some form of a stranger. So being vulnerable with that doctor is, is going to be hard mm -hmm. and taking a friend with you that might help you <laughs> say what you need to say to get on depression meds or something like that. Right. That would be helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, or just to hear some bad news. I mean, when you're going through chemo, when you're going through like hard times, even if someone goes with you, it, mm -hmm. it kind of softens the blow of, of a, of a difficult doctor experience. Yeah, definitely. Number eight, respect their boundaries, <laughs> which I think you kind of referred to a little bit earlier. Right. Um, yeah, that boundary of maybe they want to be left alone, um, or maybe they don't want to talk about what's hard in that moment. I think it's easy. I think it's easier to think maybe when we try and be there for someone that they always want to talk about the problem. But I don't know if that's always the case. They might need you to have fun with them. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> they might not want you to keep pressing and pressing. And it might be hard. It's, it is also hard for depressed or grieving people to state their needs. But if, 
if they, I think they can state it as clear as possible and we cannot push back and invade their space. Right. So, you know, when one of my kids was in a NICU and they were born um, at a very early age, I remember getting really tired of talking about what's going on Mm -hmm. to many, many people. And I just, one day somebody started asking me questions and I'm like, I, I don't really want to talk about this anymore. Can, Mm -hmm. can I, can we just talk about what's going on in your life? That will make me feel better. (laughs) So I was able to set my boundaries. um, But sometimes I've had people come into my house and say, well, that's what you say you want, but Mm -hmm. that's not really what you need. Right. And I'm like, no, that's really what I need. But so respect their boundaries, whatever mm-hmm. those boundaries are. Right. Um, It'll be different for each person, too. It, that's going to also be empowering when someone respects what you ask them to do. Mm-hmm. Number nine, go on walks and do outdoor activities. Yes, I think it's pretty apparent that Sun and lack of sun, first of all, has a lot to do with our emotional affect. Um, I mean, the amount of seasonal depression on the East Coast is pretty intense. And so when you're already grieving or feeling depressed, we need a reminder to get outside and experience life outside of the heaviness of the house, maybe. And again, it takes that friend to do that like nature is very therapeutic for most people whether they know it or not yes so yes i think it's being in god's creation just literally makes us aware of god Mm -hmm. on some level Mm -hmm. but you're right we do need that vitamin d and being out in the sun will be helpful to us i i don't know that i realized to the extent of how much it was helpful to me until i lived in new mexico (laughs) which was 380 days of sun a year. Mm. Uh, No, that's not even possible. 360 days of sun. New Mexico is a different place. It's a planet. Yeah, that's true. No, so 360 days of sun a year. And I I can remember feeling really positive because I was out all the time and the weather Mm -hmm. was great. So, yeah. You know, you want to take a walk with me? Do you want to go sit outside in the park? We're just do it. Take it low key. Mm-hmm. They're not wanting to hike. No, or like go <laughs> on a jog with you. No, no, no. <laughs> but let's go sit outside at the park. Mm-hmm. That might be something that somebody would be willing to do. Number 10, <clears throat> understand the person's love language and do things that will make them feel loved. Not right what you think would make you feel loved. Yeah, that is also being direct. And I think also asking people that you know that have been through similar things would help too. Like, I remember I asked a friend who lost a parent in college um, what was most helpful for her. And she, this is very cliche, but she said, honestly, people bringing us food and just, sending a card, letting us, you know, it was like they didn't have any energy to cook. And it felt nice to know that people wanted to just help by like something tangible and practical. Um, And but other people I know, it's just like, well, 
I was able to talk about it and have quality time with this person. So it might be an act of service. It might be that you help clean their house. It might be that you offered a, while you're at the grocery store, you, you pick up what they might need at the grocery store, milk, eggs, or it could be time. So try Just try asking them like, hey, out of these things, <laughs> what do you think would help you the most? Because I know it would help me the most, but I'm not, you're not me. So <laughs> I was uh, bed bound for almost five months one time. And I had to create lists of person who would go to the grocery store for me, a person who would clean my house, another person would take me to doctor's appointments. It was very involved. I, you know, but in my, in my, in my life, I can't, it's rare when I can do things spur of the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, So sometimes you need somebody else to come alongside of you and say, can we map out what you need this week? And Mm -hmm. let me let everybody know for you. Right. Because by mapping it out, then that gives me opportunity to say, oh, I could do that. Mm-hmm. But I can't usually do it on the spur of the moment. Yep. Um, number 11, be present with people who are grieving or sad. Mm, I think this is really hard for a lot of people. Why? I think uh, it's hard for people to be okay when their friends are sad or grieving. Because it is a very helpless feeling, especially if it's a friend who just lost a parent or a sibling or someone close to them, or just death in general. There's not a lot you can say to a person. There's really nothing you can say to make the pain go away. So I think that feels really helpless, and that's when we resort to advice giving and and all these things. It's like we panic inside, but really this person is just asking you to like be comfortable with them being sad. Right. Um, I've been watching people go through these types of things for about 25 years. And I'd have to say there's usually a lot of support in the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, but as it goes on month after month, maybe in some cases year after mm-hmm. year, the support wanes. And um, that's hard because we want the support to continue. But I logistically I just see it slowly wanes because people can only be present for a certain period of time Mm -hmm. and then they have to back out it's too much it's long term so I've watched that over and over yeah I've I've also found that my friends that have been very depressed or have lost have had a huge loss of a loved one is that they feel very loved when you're very direct with them about asking how how is it going like Last week, you were really depressed. How are you feeling this week? Like being very specific or, hey, I know it's um, the date of your mom's birthday and she passed. How are you feeling? Don't be afraid. I, I, I found it that like it's more uncomfortable for people when their friends feel afraid to engage them in the pain. It's true. And we feel I think we feel honored when someone remembers something Mm -hmm. that we said or an important date, like the death of our mother or whatever. Mm -hmm. So, right. Continuing to be present means sometimes bringing up what happened at the last time you were interacting Mm -hmm. and just asking how that's going. Number 12, don't let their depression be your depression. This is also hard if you're an empath. (laughs) 
and a bit of a burden bearer or a helper, this is going to be really hard for you. Um, or the gift of mercy. Yes, or the gift of mercy because you really want to carry their pain, but you cannot do it out of your own flesh. Or it really does not help the depressed person to feel like they have to take care of your depression from them being sad. It's just this messy cycle. So you have to constantly be giving that over and know that you're you don't have the power to completely make this person feel better. And there this person also isn't expecting you to. Right. So we can't carry their problem for them. Mm-hmm. We can hold their arms up. Right. But and we can support them in carrying what they're carrying, but we can't carry it for them. And I watch a lot of helpers become very overwhelmed by the people that they're helping carry and they often go way beyond what they're supposed to do Mm -hmm. but maybe they need to feel needed Mm -hmm. maybe they feel obligated because this person doesn't have anyone Um, there's so many reasons that people do that but it's so important to not allow the other person's depression become your depression. That's right. really hard. Yeah. Particularly if you've lived with somebody who has been depressed. Right. And Or if you were parentified and was trained to take care of your parents who were depressed yes. or anxious. So it, it honestly comes with, this sounds, I don't know if this sounds good or bad, but with practice, you learn more and more each time how to not carry something. Um, if you've been trained, at least in that environment, it's it's almost like we were, it's like you're habituated to doing that. It's true. Or you're traumatized to have to do it. Right. So, so on different end of the spectrum, I've met people who, who can't who can't deal with it at all. Right. Because they're fearful of it overwhelming them because mm-hmm. it did when, it, when they were children. Right. So you've been either taught, you've been taught to do it and you therefore do it or you've been taught to do it and therefore you run. Yeah away from it because it traumatizes you. So the last thing I want to say is I uh, was listening to um, Brene Brown yesterday on a podcast on leadership, her new book, which sounds amazing. And she ended with this question that she thinks helps all people, either the people you're leading, the people you're serving, and or the people you're ministering to when it comes to helping them through depression or grief or whatever the difficult thing is. And the question she used was, what does support look like today? Mm. Because what lo- what support looks like yesterday is not going to be the same today. Mm-hmm. You know, and I can remember thinking support looks like I need a good laugh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I need to not talk about this. I need to go out. Mm-hmm. Um, support looks different each each time. Right. It might look like quality time with one friend, or it might look like I just need to get with a group of people and hang out and have it not be super intense, <laughs> or going out to plan a night where you go out to eat or something that gives you life and then maybe – Support could look just like a night in with your family, like assess it day by day or moment by moment. Right. So I think it's I think that's a good question to ask anyone who is going through something that you're trying to help is Mm -hmm. what does support look like today? And I think that's a great way to 
uh, end this podcast. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of books on depression, unfortunately. Or, That's true. We were really looking yeah, for books. We couldn't find anything. Not much. So <laughs> it, it, I think it's a complicated topic. So there are a lot of YouTube videos, though, that can help you understand at least what it's like if. If you have a, I think that's the hardest is if you have a loved one and you don't have never experienced the feeling of depression, it feels very out of reach to understand. So, right. Um, we, we hear a lot of clients who deal with family members who don't understand their mm-hmm. depression and they'll say things like, just come and sit here with us and right. just be with the family and you'll be okay. Mm-hmm. N- no. <laughs> right. right. Uh, so, that's, it. again, a solution that might work for you, mm-hmm. but that doesn't really honor what that person might need. Right. So I think what we're saying is ask the person <laughs> what yeah. would be helpful to them yeah. as opposed to making statements about what you think would mm-hmm. be helpful to them. Right. Because uh, that's stressful to put pressure on someone to, like, be at a place they're not or then feel guilty that they don't want to spend time with the family or they don't want to do that. It gets, it just gets messy. It it doesn't make it easier. It does get messy. And I have people all the time sitting in my office telling me some of the things that their family members or friends have said and done, and they're trying to help Mm -hmm. or they, they think they know how to help, but instead it, it creates a lot of frustration that's the last thing we want to do for people. We're called to comfort them. We're called to walk alongside of them, not mm-hmm. carry it. And in order to do that and to be that person, uh, we really do need to educate us ourselves, mm-hmm. which is why we are creating this podcast. Right. Okay. Well, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, we're going to have another podcast coming up soon. We're going to be talking about um, our next podcast will be on how to not be a manipulative parent <laughs> because people are listen to our manipulation video uh, podcast mm-hmm. and they're like, uh, tell me what that looks like. Because I realized right. after I listened to the podcast that I do that. To my kids. I do that. <laughs> so we're going to be doing another podcast in the next month where we're talking about that so stay tuned yeah have a great day thanks for listening to emotional and spiritual well-being with sharon wegman for more resources or to have sharon speak at your meeting or event please visit wellspringssolutions.com